my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I am so excited to be in front of you today for a full episode. I'm emphasizing full because if you're listening to this as the episodes are released, I just posted an announcement last night or yesterday about our healing intensive in Portugal. And so for those who didn't listen to the whole thing, that was not going to be our podcast episode for the week. Our episode for this week is I am going to be doing a Q&A for questions that were submitted to me from women on our listserv. I sent out an all call. I sent out a form. If there was anyone who had any questions that they wanted support with about any of the things that we talk about here to go ahead and submit them. And I would answer as many as I could for this week's podcast episode. And y'all showed out. (laughs) There are so many submissions and I'm going to do as many as I can. I am limited not only because of time, but also because you may be able to hear I'm struggling with a sore throat right now. My lymph nodes are really acting up. And so uh, it's taking a lot to to get words out. <laughs> but I I really wanted to to be of support this week and not have the announcement be the only thing that was out. So, we're going to I'm going to do my best y'all and we are going to really dig in. I was looking over the questions before hopping on and selecting the ones that we're going to talk about. So, as as I usually end up having to do I'm going to have to just go in order of submission versus picking ones that are more juicy than the other ones because it doesn't exist. The ones that I've selected that I hope that we're going to get to go from everything from father wounds to sexual assault to cheating and infidelity to self-love to problems with siblings to moving on from no contact and everything in between. So there are so many topics for today that I hope that I'm able to cover. I have a time in my mind that I'm not going to let the podcast go past. However, I wanted to do a Q&A because I know so many of you listen and, you know, we get questions in the DMs about you just have one question that you want to talk about, but it's a big question. And you really need to get coached through it. You really need some support with it. And, you know, I've done workshops the last couple of weeks, last couple of months about mother wounds. And there was one about toxic friendships. And those have gone like two and a half, three hours. And so I was thinking, I'm just going to start doing monthly town halls. That's the goal. Monthly town halls where anyone can come with their questions and I will answer in a similar way, as many questions as I can. And that's going to be a great container, just like the women who've already come to workshops before. 
you get as much as you give and you also get a lot from being in the room and hearing the support that other women are getting and realizing you needed to be here that night just for you. So I am going to be having a town hall on Thursday, June 22nd, and I'll give you all more information about how to sign up for that then. And then same thing, you'll be able to submit a question and I will go through the order of submission to support the women who are able to attend. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So you've heard me share about my journey with vitamin D and how a deficiency was causing havoc in my life, causing depression that was not helped by therapy, emotional support skills, and other resources that I had access to because the source was organic and coming from inside my body. And it was only by healing my body with vitamin D supplements that I actually saw change. And I'm not alone with me being part of the 82% of black women in America who struggle with the vitamin D deficiency due to our melanin not being able to synthesize as much vitamin D from the sun. But Black Girl Vitamins is a proud black owned brand that develops vitamins to address the specific needs of black women like iron and vitamin D deficiency. Each purchase contributes to a scholarship fund that supports black women pursuing healthcare education. Plus they're vegan friendly and free from harmful additives. Try Black Girl Vitamins to see improved health in areas such as energy, fertility, and pregnancy support, balancing your blood sugar, and more. Get 10% off your first order with the code HEAL10 at blackgirlvitamins.co. That's B-L-A-C-K-G-I-R-L-V-I-T-A-M-I-N-S dot co and use promo code HEAL10 to get $10 off. Take control of your health and level up your summer with Black Girl Vitamins. It's time to make this summer your healthiest one yet. Okay, so we have a lot of questions <laughs> about so many things. So thank you to the ladies who submitted their questions. I believe everyone that I'm going to be talking to today identifies as a woman. I feel like I saw a man's name as well and like a blatant man's name like like Stephen, not someone who could be non-binary or transgender. But I'm going to go through as many as I can, like I said, and I hope that y'all find this. Everyone who submitted a question had an option to tell me the name that you would like me to go by. So many of you are choosing real names. Some of you are choosing pseudonyms. So I'm choosing the one that you put in a column to call you by. So the first one is Jeremy. So Jeremy's question said, I recently moved to a different state and all of my family lives in the place I grew up in. How do I support my family when family drama breaks out currently between my brother and his child's mother and everyone is calling and asking me for advice? I'm working on being sensitive to my family and keeping and making boundaries. I want to help, but I know I can only do so much. How do I help people who haven't really started a healing journey like I have? So my my response to that would be that you have to decide what you are available available for and what your boundaries are. And when you decide you're the one who needs to live them out and you don't need other people's agreement and you don't need their cosign and you don't need permission and you don't need their okay for you to decide what you are emotionally available for. So for example, let's say per your question or using using the words of your question that you no longer wanted to be in the middle of your brother and his child's mother. So my boundary is I'm not transferring any messages in between them. 
I am not going to be a listening ear. I love my brother, but if it has anything to do with Tasha, then I don't want to hear it. He needs to go and talk to a therapist. He needs to talk to a homeboy. Maybe he needs to talk to mama because mama loves to hear everything that's going on, but I'm not available for it. And once you decide that that's your boundary, that is what's going to happen. So now when brother tries to come, when Tasha tries to send you text messages and everything, you don't read them. You tell them, hey, um, you tell them proactively, I love y'all, but I can't be in the middle anymore because this is very stressful for me. And you communicate that again proactively. You initiate it. You understand that they will have whatever emotional reactions they have. They can be upset. They can be sad. They can be angry. And because you're working on your healing journey, like you said, you understand also according to what you said that you can only do so much. You cannot take other people's emotional reactions away from them. And even then, that wouldn't be beneficial to them because other grown-ups, other adults, other people need to learn how to navigate disappointment as well as joy. And they need to learn how to make sense of things and they need to learn how to solve their own problems. So once you decide that that's your boundary, when they start to cross your boundaries because they do not understand boundaries or don't respect boundaries or they haven't done their healing journey the way they, in the words that you used, then you don't break. They call and they say, hey, I just need to tell you this real quick. And this is about Tasha. Yeah, but let me just, um, Mike, I already told you I want to hear that. Look, I just got to tell you, you won't believe what she just did. Mike, I'm sorry. I, I can't hear that right now. Um, I'm, I told you already I didn't want to be put in the middle. Look, Jeremy, I just need you. Mike, all right, look, I'm going to have to hang up if you don't, if, if we can't change the subject. And he can do whatever he wants to do or say whatever he wants to say. Another boundary that I would encourage you to have and anyone else who's listening to this is you get to decide how people talk to you. So a lot of times people don't want to set boundaries because they're like, well, they're going to go off of me or they're going to be mad at me. They can go off, but you don't have to stay on the phone. They can go off, but you don't have to stay in the room. They can go off, you know, and you don't have to read the text. Sometimes we believe that we have to be in someone's line of fire. We have to just line up for the firing squad and like we're forced to be there. You have your full, I believe that you have full access to your body, to your mind and to all of that. So you're the one who's in charge of protecting that. And so you can hang up phones if people start talking crazy. You can not look at text when you see that it's three pages long and say, I'm not reading all that. Like (laughs) You get to decide what comes into your spirit and what comes into your mind. So you, first of all, you got to decide that that's what you want. I gave a whole lot of directions for how to set boundaries. But a lot of times the first step is not setting the boundaries. The first step is you deciding that you are okay not being the Messiah and the Savior in the family. Many of us make ourselves or allow ourselves is probably the better way to say that to be the central fixer and mediator in the family because we get a lot from it we get a lot we get the affirmation we get the praise we get to be the fixer sometimes we get to have what we feel like is a little bit of control to like keep people at bay and you're not understanding that you are just as much a part of the cycle when you exit you're just like they are acting crazy when you're in the middle they're gonna act crazy when you're not And so what is it like for you when you imagine getting out of your family's way 
and stop trying to fix them. Is there grieving that comes up for you? Is there fear that comes up for you? Is there a lack of identity that comes for you? Like, what place do I have now? That's more about your personal work. And that's why it's really hard for us to set boundaries sometimes because we are getting some things from the dysfunction that we're not aware of. So I would encourage you to, if any of that strikes for you, I really would encourage you to do some work to look at that and to to work through it. You know what, y'all? I have a surprise. I'm going to share something with y'all. I've just decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to share at the end of this episode. But, you know, and these are things that are important for you to work through in therapy. These are things that are important for you to work through. If you're one of my coaching students, these are the types of things we do in the recovery school. Surprise is going to be related to the recovery school. So if anyone has been wanting to work in the recovery school and wanting to work together, I strongly encourage you to stay till the end because. This is inspiring me to just do this. So here we go. Next question. I hope that was helpful. And I apologize for any words that got swallowed as I've been trying to talk. We are already 12 minutes in. Ooh. All right. Let me keep going. Mercedes is our next question. Has our next question. Mercedes says, hi, Sheena. I absolutely love the podcast. Thank you, love. And I'm grateful that I found it when I did. I know you specialize in sex and love addiction, but I wonder if you have any insight into financial trauma and how it manifests itself into poor self-esteem, poor interpersonal relationships. Long story short, I grew up in a single parent home with five siblings where we lived hand to mouth. Money was always tight and I developed many insecurities around being poor, even though everyone around me was poor. As an adult, I'm constantly worried about money, even though I'm constantly, I consider myself financially stable now. I have a friend who can never attend events that cost money because I'm the friend who can never attend events that cost money because I'm too worried about money that I know I'll make. It's like I live in fear that if I spend anything, I'll be back in childhood poverty that I remember. How can I better address my fears around finances? Mercedes, that's a great question. So I actually will be doing a fuller series about financial trauma and money trauma later this year. There will be a smaller program for us to work through that together called the Money Rehab. But what you're talking about is very real for many of us. And there are many types of financial wounds and ways that it manifests from money hoarding, from codependent giving, from fear of having wealth. You know, there are some people who feel so much shame from having money and they give it away and not because they're charitable, but they feel as if they are bad people for having money and as their way of kind of repenting for it. I'm going to talk more about that later, but yeah, what I want to say here, because we don't have the space and time to dig into the roots of where money trauma comes from, how people of all, all money backgrounds, whether or not you grew up hand to mouth like you, like you shared, or whether or not you grew up in a very wealthy family, that we all have our stories around money. We all have our root traumas. We all have our relationships with the money, whether or not the money the relationship feels non-existent or is one based in fear and is one based in money is going to hurt me or money doesn't love me or money is going to leave me in the way other people have left me before or money is my friend and money is my lover and money loves me and money chases me. 
Um, These are all things that we actively have to unlearn. We have the same types of interpersonal relationship with money that we have with another person, which is why, to your point, a lot of this stuff is intertwined, that we can see those of us who struggle with low senses of self-worth and poor interpersonal relationships, that we can see a lot of ups and downs when it comes to our relationship with money as well, whether or not it's steadying or not having enough or the way that we use it to self-soothe and all that stuff. So I just wanted I wanted to say that at least so that you know you're not making this up, right? That this absolutely exists. The way that I'm going to tell you for now to work through this, this this fear is what you've probably heard in other places, but I really want you to just to set settle into this and and let it be true for you. I want you to focus on facts, not feelings. What you just said, if I'm if I'm reading the sentence right, is that you do not attend events. I'm assuming you don't probably do things for yourself outside of that. Take care of yourself. You know, you, I don't know if you even go to therapy right now. And if you're not going to therapy, I'm pretty sure you wait. I recognize your name. I recognize your name. Well, <laughs> I was about to say I'm not sure if you bought any of my programs, but I recognize your your email address, so I don't know if you've just been following for a while or if you've actually enrolled in any of the programs that we just haven't had a chance to really dig in together, but the point being, you know, do anything psychoeducational and deeper for yourself, and that really leaves us in deprivation, but the fear is that it's because you won't have enough, but what you shared is that you know you're going to make the money. But because you're afraid of the next shoe dropping, you don't go and you spend on yourself. So I want you to look back at all of your years of living and everything that you have spent money on and the fact that even when you've spent it, you've always made it. And now, not only always made it, like you haven't made it and been shifted to be homeless or shifted to, you know, be couch surfing. It sounds like you're stable right now. You don't feel stable, but you are stable. So I want you to list out the facts of what you actually have around you, what is actually real. And anytime you start to feel triggered and like you're in lack and you don't have enough, then I want you to refer back to that list of what is actually true, what is actually real. Okay. When we work together in the money rehab, we're going to talk about more tools and more resources and more ways to break that down and more ways to restructure your thoughts around it. But this is really powerful. And it's really powerful when we do it daily or we do it when we're not triggered. If you wait to do this when you're triggered, one, you're going to forget the list exists if you have already done the list. Two, if you know the list already exists, you're already going to be like at a level nine or 10 and you're not going to want to reach for it because you're going to say that's not going to do anything. That's not real. But if you're doing this every morning, referring like reviewing the facts every day of what is actually true, it starts to rewire your brain, starts to rewire your thoughts so that you have new cognitions that are going to fight all of these automatic reflexive anxieties that come up when it comes to you taking care of yourself, right? And so we're going to look at the stories of what you learned about with people who took care of themselves and who were the people who struggled and who were the people who made it. So we really got to dig into that. But this, this I know is going to help give you some real, some real benefits immediately. So I hope that helps. And we will be, like I said, we'll be talking about the money trauma stuff later this year. And I know I said that the year before, (laughs) but we really are going to be talking about it later this year. I've taken a 
finished a training that I've been was looking for. The reason I had stopped is because, you know, when I learned about sex and love addiction, that's where I also learned about money disorders. And the institute that I was training at, treating people who have sex and love addiction, they had their own certification, but I exited from working with them. And then also, you know, I had my concerns about the the diversity and inclusion of the training. So this past year, I found another certification for the treatment of money disorders that I have loved that is so inclusive and so well done. And so I finished it this spring, so I just finished it. So I now feel more confident in teaching it outside of what I already knew. So that is why I hadn't done. I just want to make sure that whenever I come before y'all, that I come as my best self. And I know that I'm always going to be growing. I know I'm always going to be learning. You know, I even made some recent changes to our Healed and Love Woman framework, which I'll be sharing in the coming weeks. But that's the reason why there's been a little bit of a delay. I've learned also recently while I have y'all here that it is better for me to over-communicate what I'm doing versus under-communicate. I think for a long time, because not only have I had, you know, these health issues, but I've also been trying to be pretty responsive to what I hear from y'all and what y'all need, especially my students. I, I've i worried about taking y'all, you know, through like the different changes and, you know, folks getting whiplash. But I've learned, so what I've heard is that what is preferred, especially for my ride or dies, is that I tell you what is my process and I take you along that journey. I tell you what I'm doing while I'm doing it versus something that I mentioned months ago. You don't ever hear about it again or you do hear about it again, but you're like, oh, I forgot that existed, which is why I'm talking about the fact that I'm writing the no contact book, which is why I just told y'all about the money trauma trainings and why and and when you can expect it and all of that. So I'm going to try to do better about doing that, over explaining those types of things for those who who are part of my student family and healing community outside of just listening here on the podcast so that you can feel as that you are being taken on the journey along with me. So I hope that you find that helpful. I'm going to go ahead and say what I was going to share at the end of the podcast now. We're going to go ahead and put the recovery school on sale. I never put the recovery school on sale. I don't think I've ever put the recovery school in any form on sale ever the last five or six years. If anything, what I've done is when I used to do like the masterclass webinars that y'all could watch, there would be like a fast action bonus where you can get like a, a small discount, but I don't think I've ever put it on sale. So I'm feeling inspired to put it on sale. So we're going to do a temporary sale through June 7th. So to give those who kind of procrastinate and listening to the podcast some time to work through it. June 7th, we're going to do a 10% off coupon code for both payment in full and then also the payment plans. So it'll be recovery 10. Actually, let's make it 15. 15% off the recovery score for those who've been wanting to work together for a minute, for a while, or just listening now, you're like, I'm, I need to work through some of these issues. We have so many more issues we're going to be digging in today, but Everything that I will be talking about today are the exact things that I've worked with students over the last six years now through all of my programs to uncover, to heal from, to unlearn. And 
they have built such amazing lives, such amazing friendships, such amazing self, such amazing self-love. What I love about the program is that it is lifetime. So these different hurdles are things that brought them into the container. They get the help, they get the support that they need, and but you have lifetime access to come back to the work, to come back to any bonuses or updates and things that I have. So right now, you know, I've reinvented this program multiple times. And so all recovery school students have access to all of the iterations of it. And if you haven't, if you're an alumni and you're like, I do, (laughs) yeah, you do. Go back and check. It's right at the very top when you first log into your curriculum for the recovery school. It'll have like a little link that says, click here to be taken to the most recent version of the recovery school. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it, clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in, and also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. Cool. And so I just always want to make sure that I'm growing and adding with my students and giving them support. They have lifetime access to the community and that town hall that I mentioned at the beginning they're going to get free access to come to that as well. So again, the code from now until June 7th is recovery15. So I would love for those who have been waiting to join to come on and join and get started immediately. So don't procrastinate. If you're like me, I'm like, oh, I want that. And then the date comes and goes, go ahead and sign up. 
so we can go ahead and get started in healing these things and understand that watching watching the videos and doing the worksheets are great but you get the most from asking questions in the community and asking for support and not trying to do this on your own i teach over and over again that when it comes to intimacy disorders one of the i'm going to use the word one of the worst things that we can do is try to heal ourselves on our own because intimacy is the core of it, right? The ability to connect, to be seen, to be vulnerable, to ask for help, to receive help. And so by us trying to do things on our own, we're only reinforcing the core wounds, the the reason why we feel so alone, the reason why we feel so overwhelmed. So let me help you (laughs) and let the other women in the community support you and cheer you on as well. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Next question, Miss Rashonda says, I do listen to your podcast, not as much as I could. Responsibilities and commitments get in the way sometimes. That's totally fine, Rashonda. Miss Sheena, I have had a terrible relationship with my blood sister, mother and father the same, since I could remember. She stopped talking to me for periods of time over and over and over again. Ultimately, she comes back without apology, picks up right as if nothing's happened. I just take her as she is. I love her. However, she's broken my trust again and again. I wonder what's wrong with me. Why, do I, I, why don't I simply cut this, leave it alone, and simply be okay? The other information you added was, I'm not checking for relationships anymore. That's kin, friend, intimate, ships. It's exhausting to keep up with the ins and outs of all of them. Is this normal or unhealthy? So first, I want to give you a big hug through the podcast and say I'm sorry that you are feeling so alone and so at a place where you feel like you want to give up on all people, all relationships, and all the things. And I want you, you know, wherever you are, and I want you to actually do this, I want you to cross your arms over your chest, hug yourself, and hold yourself, and like nestle into it. And if you feel, take a deep breath, and settle into it, settle into your seat, feel the seat on your bottom, take another deep breath, And as you hold yourself, exhale. And I want you to feel whatever needs to come up as you feel that. If it's tears, 
if it's sadness, if it's more loneliness, if it's relief, if it's confusion, because there's some happiness too, whatever it is that you may feel, I want you to feel it. And that's really important because when we live our life on guard all the time, we don't we literally don't know what it feels like to have comfort and we also don't know what it feels like to have rest like the level of betrayal it sounds like you have experienced from kin friend intimate relationships everybody like there's not any safe space for you to rest and to land and i imagine that translates to even within yourself and so i want you to start to build a connection so that you know you know even though you know, the energy of your message or what your question is, is like, I don't need anybody else. I got me. I want to want you to be able to switch from, I don't need nobody else. I got me to, I have me, right? To one that's more of an energy of, of freedom, of release, of relief, and of peace and of love and of safety. Because what happens when you find that nobody is safe including yourself, okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is this normal or unhealthy? I, that is one of those questions that sounds really innocent on the outside, but it could be used, we can use it to beat ourselves up and shame ourselves. So if I were to say that's unhealthy, then you'd be like, you could be like, oh, I'm a problem and there's something wrong with me. And and all that shame. So here's here's what I will say. I will say that what you deserve and what you should have full access to is friends and lovers and family that you can trust, that are loyal, that make you laugh, <laughs> that enjoy you, and that you enjoy them. That's what you deserve. That's, that's your birthright. That is what is a God-given privilege and benefit that you should have access to. And so you not having access to that is 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 an injustice towards you, right? So it's not about whether or not you're broken or you're unhealthy and if there's something wrong with you because you've been surrounded so much by so much betrayal from the people who you should be able to trust the most, not being able to trust them and you having like we all would, if there's anyone around us who's dangerous, you you should, since we're talking about should, you should be wary and have your eyes open towards that, right? So I don't think that that's unhealthy at all. But I have sadness and, and grief that you've had to get to this place because of the things that have happened. So that's that question. Why don't I simply leave this and cut it off and simply be okay with it? Because it's family. It is... Here's where I will talk about what's not natural. We, as human beings, are built to have intimate human connections, intimate, vulnerable tribe, community connections with our families, again, with our with the people in our in our in our huts, <laughs> whether or not those huts are our neighborhoods, our cities, our communities, whatever. Like we are we are built for tribe hunt. And we see this across the world, across cultures, across backgrounds, no matter what. Like we see this, right? I mean there's different ways that people can configure their tribe hoods, but it's just innate. And so it's not supposed to be broken. You're supposed to be born 
and immediately attached to your mother and to your father and to siblings within your unit and extended family too, depending on what your culture looks like in that setup. And so you can't cut it off because you were not meant to cut it off. But ideally, we're all supposed to be in units and settings that are safe and help us grow. And unfortunately, we don't all have access to that. Some of us are in families with abusers, with narcissists, with predators, with people who are mentally ill, with people who are addicted to substances or processes that make the household unsafe. With you know, so not all of us get access to that, but it doesn't erase the desire for us to have it. And so that's why it's hard for you to cut this off because this is your sister. And the same with your mother and father. What I would encourage you to do is similar to what I said for the first young woman, which is for you to get clear on the type of love that you desire and the type of love that you deserve. And you find relationships with people who give that to you. One of the things, as I mentioned, talking about projects, I am working on a no contact book and I also have an outline for the availability book. I talk all the time about y'all finding friends, lovers, family members, and assessing them to make sure that they are available. And of course, I talk about it in the recovery school, but I'm extracting that part of of the program to also publish it in the book as well so that I can just tell y'all, go get the book from Amazon. Rate and <laughs> rate and look at these people. <laughs> these new people that you come into your life, you cut off these toxic friends, great. You find a new friend. Okay, let's let's look at what's going on. Wait, okay. Here here is here are the red flags, right? So that you can fully see this this is available and this is not. But in the meantime, what that would look like for you is figuring out what, if I did have love, right now I'm not checking for relationships anymore. But if I did have love, what would that love look like? And that's the list of things that you want. And instead of you focusing on the things that you don't want and like keeping an eye out for all the red flags, give yourself, give your spirit, give your body a little mental break right now, a little vacation. And I want you to take this green flag list and let that be what you start to train your mind and your body to look for. Right now, you are very zeroed in and adept at attuning to the bullshit, right? And which is good. It's very good for safety, but it's not good for your nervous system. It's not good for your stress. So let's rewire your brain to start to be attuned to the good things because that's going to manifest in other areas of your life as well. Okay, And also, when you start to identify what you do want, you get to have more access to those things and you get to stop going back to the, the, the fake replicas, the things that are trying to be it, but they ain't it. Okay, so I hope that that is helpful. Let's see. Next question, as I click through here, is for Miss Vita. Ms. Vita says, so I was sexually assaulted by my ex-best friend's dad. When I told her and her mom about it, they never believed me. How do I forgive them? Because I have so much hate towards them because they didn't believe me. And the father denied everything that I told them. How do I heal from this and move on? In the extra information box, she said, I've had a past to being the strong friend and always being there for my friends. But when it comes to me, they aren't always there when I'm at my lowest. How do I attract better people in my life that are genuinely good people? So same for you, love. I want to give you a hug. Well, actually, I want to send you so much love and like a big puffy cloud of 
of love and support and warmth to just surround you right now. I retract the hug because I know when we have been hurt through sexual trauma, even when we want to feel comfort and love, it can still feel scary. So I don't want you, even your imagination, to imagine me crossing boundaries without you giving consent and you wanting it. But I am sending that big pink cotton candy cloud (laughs) of love or whatever color it is, whatever feels safe for you, whether it's glowing or not, I want you to know that I'm sending that to you right now where you are. And I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Whether or not this happened recently or years ago or in your childhood, that type of devastation and hurt is is soul-crushing. And so I'm so sorry that you have had to go through that or that you went through that. You didn't have to. And I'm sorry that people who should have been adults and protected you did not hold up to that standard. How do I heal from this and move on? How do I forgive them? My my best suggestion for you to heal and move on is therapy. Even when I talk about the recovery school and there used to be a time where I had like this very long section and like the onboarding things, you know, how when you join like a community group, they say these are the rules and everything and da, da, da. And there was one point in time that I had a very long like disclaimer before anyone got started or anything. It's still there. It's just in other places, but it's not as like, hey, read this, <laughs> which could be pretty abrupt when it comes to, hey, I was really excited. And oh, here's this like really heavy post. But it basically said that this program, though we may talk about different themes of this when it comes to the treatment of things like suicidal ideations and sexual trauma and stuff like that, you need to go to a licensed mental health professional to work through that. That is my best suggestion. I know that there are other types of healers, for example, somatic body healers, which is who I'm currently seeing in this stage of my journey, are phenomenal for this. But because that trauma goes so deep into your body, into your psychic psyche, into your spirit, it affects your emotions and everything else, you need someone who is intensively trained to help see all the different parts and walk you through that. So if you have not gone to therapy for whatever reason, I would encourage you to revisit doing that. If you've gone to therapy and you didn't like the therapist, I hate to tell y'all that sometimes therapy, finding a therapist is just like dating. You got to try different people to find the right fit. That other person may have been horrible. I've also been to horrible therapists and been like, really girl like what were you thinking like really you know so I'm not I'm not exempt from it but once you find that person it is it's a it's transformative it's amazing so the way that you heal through your sexual trauma is to find a therapist and then from there is where the forgiveness will come if you think that you will be healed and whole as long as you forgive them, then you're going out of order because the first person that you need to take care of in this situation is yourself. And you have capacity for the younger part of you that was violated, that was harmed, that was not seen, that was not heard. 
what that's done to your sense of fear, your sense of trust, any fears that it's giving you, learning how to be intimate with people, not only, you know, physically, but more so emotionally and letting people in. And what does this mean about yourself? How do you feel about yourself? Like forgiveness is at the bottom of the list right now. You is what needs all the attention. So I would encourage you to do that, to gift that to yourself, to help. If there's any part of your question that's like, I'm tired of this having power over me, the way that you stop it from having power over you is not pushing it down and just saying, I just want to forgive them so I can move on, is you saying, I always deserve to have the attention and love and care and support from others that I'm about to give to myself. That's that's how you get your power back. That's how you reclaim it and work with your therapist to go deeper in that. So I hope that that helps. Next question. This podcast is going to be really long, y'all, which you probably already saw (laughs) by the time that this is published. But I'm looking at there are a few more questions I wanted to make sure I got to. So next one is Neek. Neek says, I've been seeing this man since August 2022. We match on every level. Never had an argument where we couldn't talk it through. We communicate so beautifully. Any issues we've ever had, I've been have been talked through with honesty, love, and care for actually making sure both of us feel good about the resolve. Both of us started this having said neither are looking for a relationship right now as both of us are going through instabilities in our lives since we met. That would make the relationship we want a difficulty. We did discuss that we would have gone with the flow whatever comes out of this. Everything about our situation feels like a relationship. All of our friends and family see us, a couple, see us as a couple, even though we aren't by title. We recently had a conversation about marriage and what we think and believe it should be. We're on the same page. The only problem is that he said that I have every quality in a wife he could possibly want, except I'm not Muslim and from culture like he is. And there's a language barrier between his mother and some other family as they are Somali. And that is the language they speak. And his response was that he doesn't want to change me for him. He loves me as I am. And he doesn't know if I'd be able or really happy with adjusting to the lifestyle and culture he envisioned his wife to be a part of. I think these are things that can be overcome. And I love to be a part of that. I feel as if he's afraid. We are so happy together and everything feels easy. But I guess my question is, should I take what he said and end this? Or should I go with my gut and my heart and show him that those are things that we can work on? Your other information said, just love this podcast. Listening to it has really helped me navigate some really tough things about my life and helped me so much. Plus, you're so kind and funny. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hold on. Here goes my throat. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, sorry. I had to clear my throat there. Thank you for all you do. I'm 23, by the way. I feel like it's important to add that. Okay. All right. First of all, again, thank you so much. You're so sweet. And that I hope, I hope that my kindness comes through because I'm going to give you some direct feedback. Like I'm not, I don't think I'm going to add a lot of fluff to it just because of time's sake, but not because I'm trying to like lay the hammer down. So I want you to hear my heart and the love I have behind this for you because I want you coming from a place of protection, but also not just, you know how sometimes people can want to protect you and they like project their stuff onto you. 
what you are describing, I've seen so many times and many other women have also seen it and experienced it. And part of you learning about it is through you experiencing and going through life. So I am happy that you added that you're 23. But unfortunately, there are many of us who are 33, 43, 53, who have gone through a very similar scenario that did not end well. And so that's what I want to paint for you right now from what I see. So first thing that I want to validate is I want to say that you are absolutely correct that what you are talking about, what he talked about, you know, you know, from different cultures, there's a language barrier, even having different religious backgrounds. You know, I've watched so many couples who, when they have mutually chosen each other and they are completely sure and know that the other person is what they want and they have negotiated what are the true values of the relationship and what is the reason that they're together and they've come from a place of maturity and not just because I really like you kind of thing that these are things that people have worked through time and time again right there are absolute solutions and compromises and not even compromises like it sounds like you would probably be very willing to shift and learn and adapt to the culture and integrate into the culture like that's the energy I'm getting from your posts however the however is the key one of the key words that I just said is mutual that both sides have to mutually intensely want it and be mutually committed to it and both want it to work. You cannot want it more than him. So when you're saying, should I try to show him that this can work? This man has two eyes, just like you, I'm assuming. He knows his family, he knows his culture, and he knows what he wants, and he knows what his vision is. So in the ways that he has already calculated it in his mind, he has added one plus one, and not gotten two. He's gotten you plus him equals three, and it doesn't fit for him. And he is kindly, he's, he sounds like he's told you in love that this thing that we have built, we're very happy and I've enjoyed it. But what I want, the seamlessness that I want my future wife to fall into is not here. And it doesn't sound like he's being like mean or rude about it, that he still has love and admiration for you as a woman, but you're not bringing what the part of the puzzles that he wants to be there. And so that can be really hard for those of us who are very eager and those of us who are very willing to compromise and like make it work. And it doesn't feel like we are neglecting ourselves and it doesn't feel like we're abandoning ourselves. Like, it could even be, I see the culture and I'm actually kind of interested in it. And, you know, I'll be very happy to do it. But that's not what he's telling you that he wants. And that's not what he sees. And he wants you to be fully you. He he thinks that who you are culturally as a woman, as a person already is amazing, which is why he has attached to you. But it's not what he wants long term. And so I, I know that holding those two truths can be hard to it could be hard for them to to coexist like it may not make sense like how can you really love me you know like but we re- listen to that part again just so I'm not repeating it too many times you know but they can they can absolutely coexist which is why I really try to teach here that we can meet the most amazing people 
and see so much potential, but there can be things that we see that just don't fit. And the more we try to make it fit, the worse it's going to get. And it can get worse because it can cause resentment on one or both sides. We can be upset that the other person doesn't see that we're trying and that they're not grateful for it. We can wear out, like sometimes we're in relationships for a certain season. And because we really want to try to make it work, we stay longer than we should. And so what could have ended very nicely and sweetly ends in chaos and trouble and bad feelings now because we stretched out a season longer than it needed to be. So when it comes to men, I mean, all people, but especially men, I I think more men more than women, because I think women, sometimes we are more prone to like say, no, I don't want that. But really, we want the person to prove to us that they love us. We actually want them to chase us. We want them to fight for us. You know, I think that's a very common experience for many of us. But men, when men say no, or they say that they don't see something or they haven't put in the effort to lock you down and keep you off the market, then you need to pay attention to that. Just because you are doing boyfriend-girlfriend things, you're still not his girlfriend. And uh, even according to what you said, y'all have had this mutual agreement to just let things flow at any point. And it's so heartbreaking because, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and we may intellectually know this, but I'll say this to people and they're like, yeah, you know, at any time, you know, they can move on and do something else. And like, but you're like, not, not him. <laughs> like he would never do that to me. And the way relationships are so interchangeable and disposable for men especially and that's not because men have less feelings or anything it's just the way that they they move differently they move differently they see the world differently they see relationships it's easier for them to see relationships as transactional it's easier for them in order to try to be fair quote unquote to go into their head and make logical what makes seem like to you selfish Maybe it is actually selfish. I'm not going to act like it may not. They probably, it is selfish decisions because it completely takes out the emotional impact of how it's going to affect you and affect your heart and what it says about everything that you've put in, the the, the history, the sacrifice, you know, into like a very mathematical algorithm equation and say, well, you know what, this isn't going to work. And so they make a decision from there versus from the heart. And it can be so overwhelming and mind-blowing and confusing and unfair and betraying and what it sounds like my love is that you have been in a very beautiful situationship for almost a year you've fallen in love with him and you want to be his wife and he's told you that it's not going to work so you have to decide what you want to do with that information and whatever you decide is fine as long as you're choosing it you're not making a decision out of fear. So if you're like, okay, I know what this is and I hear this, but this things are still so good right now and I just want to see this to the end, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep it real, real. 
you may say something to the effect of, I know, you know, I'm going to listen to Sheena. I know he, I don't think he's going to change his mind, but, you know, I'm a, I'm going to keep about 20%, but I'm going to keep 80% knowing that this may end, but I'm going to keep, you know, 20% alive and hopeful just so I don't get mean or rude with him. And if that's what you choose that you want to do, that's totally fine. You know, sometimes in situations and matters of the heart, I, I'm happy to be wrong, especially if it's a happy ending, like a real happy ending and not that he's settled for you as a placeholder. That's the other thing. Since you listen to the podcast, I've said a lot, especially this 2023 episodes, I've talked a lot about men who will use women as placeholder in relationships. And y'all need to understand that men will marry women who are good enough, but not who they actually want until they find who they actually want. And so they will marry you. They will buy your anniversary gift every once in a while. They will have children with you. They will do all that stuff, but they will not actually love you as much as you love them and want you as much as you want them. And I think every woman deserves to be in a relationship with a man who every woman who dates men deserves to be in a relationship with a man who fully loves them. And so I want that for you. So you can choose to stay or you can choose to say, okay, I hear you. And I just want to make sure that this is what you mean and say it with love. Don't say it accusatorily. I mean, as much as you can say it with love only because if you come with, so you're saying I'm not good enough. Like that fight can go so many different ways. It can escalate to a blow up and whatever, whenever breakups that are supposed to happen, happen in a chaotic way, a lot of times we'll keep going back to that relationship because it didn't close in the right way. And so we think I need to go back to the relationship is because we need to do the whole relationship again. But really, you just needed to have a better breakup conversation that started with a little bit more respect. So you could break up or, you know, if he really does love and care about you as a person and as a lover or as a person that he spent this time with he can try to backtrack and try to protect your feelings and you'll hear one thing that you're like okay so there is hope but meanwhile you didn't hear the rest of what he said you know so just go with as much honesty and clarity as you can and ask him if that's what he's meant if that's what he means and then if so move on love you are 23 and and I did not understand this when people said this and I kind of like blew it off but you have you honest <laughs> I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't feel condescending because I remember it feeling so condescending to me I I want you to hear this with the hope and optimism at 23 you are going to have many more loves and many more lifetimes I pro- I promise you God willing if you if you live to an older age you're going to have so many more seasons and so many chapters and so many deeper loves than what you're experiencing. Like the fact that this is the deepest love you've had so far, you need to get excited because they only get better from here. And so, but you get to be with someone who chooses you back. And so I just want you to know that this is not it. It will suck. It will hurt. But you deserve a man who's going to lock you down and treat you like the queen that you've been treated in all ways, okay? Okay, this next question is from Iman. Iman says, I looked all the way to the beginning of the podcast for advice on father-daughter relationships, and I couldn't find any. Thank you for this opportunity to 
open up this rabbit hole, Sheena. You're welcome. <laughs> Question, how can I maintain respect for a grown man, grown man being my father, but relay my feelings in a healthy way? I want to continue to have a relationship with this man, yet we have different opinions about who deserves respect and what it looks like. He has an old school mindset of respect your elders no matter what. I have those same sentiments. However, if that grown ass adult doesn't show respect back after several occasions, I don't feel the need to respect someone who doesn't respect me. And then you kind of go into a little bit more about the nature of the relationship. The only reason I'm not going to read this fully is because I actually do have something for father wounds. So this is telling me that I probably should continue. Um, I tested it out for a couple of weeks, sending out an email every time I did a video on YouTube and Instagram. Anytime I went live over a different topic, I sent out an email and I was like, I don't know if if folks appreciate this, but since you're on the email list and that's how you submitted your question, I probably should keep doing that. So on our YouTube channel, because I know not everybody has social media, but everyone has full access to YouTube because it's a, it's basically a search engine. It's just Google or it's even a Google product now, right? Last live, let me see. Let me pull up the name. And sorry, I'm not pausing the podcast to find it. But when you go to the Black Girls Hill YouTube channel, if you click on live, so at the top, there's the option of videos, but then there's a tab that says live. For some reason, anytime you go live, it doesn't list it under the actual videos. Under the videos, it just has all the podcast episodes. But if you click on live, it has all the lives that I've streamed on YouTube. And the last video is 50 minutes, and it says about fathers who emotionally abandon us. And I talk about two different types of fathers who are emotionally abandoned and what to do about it. I get into narcissism, narcissism a little bit. I get into validating your feelings and why they matter and all of that. So I'm going to redirect you to that video because, again, it's 50 minutes. And you can watch and take notes and rewatch and comment and all that stuff. And also for anybody else who wants to have that as a resource. It is also up on Instagram. But, you know, I like watching videos on YouTube a lot because you can pause it and rewind it and you don't have to worry about if you click out or something you'll lose your spot and you know all that stuff so YouTube is available for for that and if you follow me on YouTube but you don't have the notifications on to know when I go live go ahead and do that I've found low-key I found that the folks on YouTube are just as lit or more lit <laughs> than the folks on the other streaming platforms that I'm going live on. Like YouTube and Instagram, y'all are like fully interacting and asking questions, which makes the live so much more fun and so much more rich. So make sure you that you turn on notifications. And if you're like, I didn't even know you had a YouTube channel or I don't do social media. And so now I can watch and get more. Yes, you absolutely can. The name of the channel is Black Girls Heal with Sheena Lachey. So you can find me there. All right. Two more questions, y'all. So this next one, and let me see, because this is someone who I work with, but she gave a pseudonym. Let me get this up here. Next one is NN. All right. So NN is one of our, one of my recovery school babies. So just a heads up, I'm going to be referencing some stuff there as I talk to her about this. But NN says, hey, Sheena, hope you're doing well. So do you remember the ex I was confident I would never see or talk to again? 
one of our first blocks recession, she gave me your opinion that you believe we talk again because of the way we broke up. Chaotic, no questions answered, no closure, etc. Well, several months later, I finally answered one of his calls and we did end up talking and we actively decided to get back together. We were back together for five months or so. During the course of the new relationship, there were a lot of improvements and changes which I was happy to experience. However, there was still insecurity because of the intuition that I just could not shake. My intuition was telling me that this man did want to be with me, but there were still some loose ends he hadn't wrapped up, namely texting, flirting with other women despite me being back in the picture. As a note, the same first time we broke up last year, I had the same intuition that he was texting or interacting with women in some way. The first time around, the intuition was dynamically stronger than this time around. Well, we broke up again because my intuition was correct. I looked in his phone, shaking my head. I know, I know. Not nearly as bad as I thought, but it was enough for me to yell and throw his phone on his face while he was laying down causing his lip to bust, which then led to all hell breaking loose. A lot of shouting and expletives. This all happened a few days ago. Just a note, I did mean to throw the phone, but did not mean to harm him in any way. I haven't talked to him or seen him since then. He hasn't tried contacting me, assumingly, assumedly, because I unintentionally busted his lip. This is going to sound crazy, but part of me does want to reach out to let him know, even though we, we didn't work. I'd love at some point to be a friend. Just a little background. I would tell him all the time that he would be one of my coolest homeboys if we weren't intimate and still feel that way. He's a really cool dude, even if he's not in the role of my boyfriend. He's a solid friend slash hype man. I don't know if I should even reach out or leave it as it is. I hate that we ended the way that we did. I wish it didn't happen. I wish we ended on a more cohesive and calm way, not with me yelling at the top of my lungs in my house. Again, I hate capital letters the way we ended. At this time, my heart is heavy because I did lose someone I loved, but I'm also disappointed because I wanted something better for us, even if there would be no us, in quotes, romantically. I wanted our end to be more cohesive and level-headed. I don't know if I'm doing too much and if I should just let it be what it is or if it would be okay to extend an olive branch of friendship. As always, I appreciate your thoughts. Best and end. Okay, well, first, my love, hello. I love you so much. I missed you. It's been a minute. And it is cool to hear an update on what's been going on since we last chatted. And I am going to answer your question, but also pretty typical from our work together. I'm going to say a whole lot of other stuff, too, because I think it is needed to be said so that you can fully embrace the feedback that you're asking for. Okay, and I'm going to jump straight in. So for those listening, there may be some context that y'all don't have. (laughs) There is going to be context you don't have, but and then you're going to know what I mean. So one thing that I've noticed throughout our work and our time together is that you are very quick to skip emotional steps in your grieving process because you really want to rush to the end. You want to really want to rush to the solution. So have this big chaotic breakup and fight versus me feeling the anger and versus me feeling the rage and versus me feeling the sadness of missing him. I really want to just rush towards being okay. So I'm going to distract myself, you know, focus on self-love, focus on self-care, take these trips, you know, build up my friendships, you know, move on, 
you know, do the yoga thing. Like, I'm going to do all this stuff because I just, that's what I want to get to. But I'm going to rush. I'm going to completely overlook and disown even, push down the other very strong emotions and feelings and grief that needs to happen so that I can fully embrace and feel all the good stuff that I want to feel. Like, that stuff is still active in me, but I don't want to feel it. And I just want to intellectualize it and say, I understand that it happened and move on. So throughout our work together, you did some amazing work, though. Like, you really did not want to feel that anger and sadness and all that. And by the time we finished working together, you could admit that you had those feelings or you could feel them. You could let yourself cry. And that was so beautiful and I was so happy for you because that was part of the process and I just want to I want to say that because I'm starting to see some of that older stuff here as well of trying to rush to the solution and I just want to say I know that you have access to how to do this differently so that you can get to the solution so the places where I see the rushes again we had another pretty chaotic breakup a really explosive breakup right like this is kind of along the same energy as the first one. And so, you know, he's reaching out to try to talk to you. You're not answering, which I'm going to say something about in a minute as well. But he's trying to reach out and talk to him. You So you don't know what he wants to talk about. Like, y'all haven't had any, like, there's no I'm sorry's or anything. There's no, like, hey, did you have to go to the dentist? Was it just your lip? Was your tooth? Like, but you are sk- skipping straight from I bested his lip And can we just be friends? And the whole, like, apologies or not apology, the, like, clearing the air, the having an actual breakup versus the what the fuck is in your phone conversation. Like, y'all didn't have a breakup conversation. Trying to skip straight towards, can we just everything be chill? And so here's what I want you to journal about, think about, pray about talk to your therapist about. I don't know if you're still seeing a therapist, but I want you to kind of think about is there a part of me that sometimes tries to rush through my feelings, and if so, why? I'm going to insert some things in case I'm on the right track. I may not be, as always. Take what you need and leave it. And you have access to me in the community, so you can come with follow-up questions as well, or you can contact me if you want to set up a private time too that all you still all have access to that but if I am on the right track is there fear am I afraid to feel my feelings is there shame am I am I ashamed of my feelings am I overwhelmed um do I feel like there's no solution for this do I feel small does this connect me to me feeling out of control like what is it that makes me really try to rush to this happy ending where where does this anxiety come from is what I would really encourage you to start with because there's nothing, all of the emotions and things and the yuckiness and stuff is how we build to the good things. So to your point, this could be a really beautiful and lovely friendship if it did work out, right? So the way that we get to that friendship is we have to uncover and dig out 
all of like the festering things that haven't been said and the resentments and what makes this relationship unsafe and the fact that when we get in fights it gets explosive like we have to figure out how are we going to communicate and for us to figure out how to how to communicate we actually have to communicate we actually have to when there's a problem we have to learn how to talk about it and practice these communication skills mutually to work out and listen to each other without it becoming violent and explosive and our younger inner child rage coming out, our fear of abandonment coming out and wanting to fight. That's the second thing that I would really encourage you to do as well. Maybe that's probably the third thing, but I don't know where you are in your anger and your rage work, but if that's kind of been put on the table, on the table or the shelf, or if you've been working on it, but maybe not as consistently, not because you're not willing to, but I just know whenever I am like in my honeymoon relationship period with someone and I'm caking and I'm having all the good stuff, it's very easy for me if I was doing some deeper work with some other things that whatever's coming up in the relationship is now the things that's more front and center versus the other things before. So it just is slowly and unintentionally gets pushed down. But that need to fight and defend yourself and the way that your emotions come out tangibly and uncontrolled, like even uncontrolled to you. I meant to throw the phone, but I didn't mean to cause physical harm. So both of those things. Is there a way that you can get your anger out without destroying property? And not only, you know, not even just because it's his, but just you you like nice things, girl, right? And so I want you to not be able, I want you to be able to live in your house with all these nice things, with a marriage and with children one day, because I know that's what you want, where... You know, the TV won't end up on the floor sometimes and, and, you know, the glassware won't get shattered, you know. So have you been working on that? And if not, let's talk about that. Let's talk about some skills and some tools to use with that and revisit that a little bit. And yeah, uh, working through these things, what you being emotionally good and sane and in is what's going to help you have a friendship. If you are, and not saying you had some very real triggers and things that provoked you and made you scared, right? We're not talking about his part yet, but I'm just saying your main question was about friendship, so I'm kind of like working my way backwards, but these are components, your emotional safety, your emotional connection to yourself, your ability to self-soothe, your ability to communicate what you want, your ability to protect yourself in the way that you actually want to protect yourself that's coming out in a way that is controlled by you versus the emotions and the the violence is what's more in control. That's what you want to seek for so that you can have a healthy relationship, not only with him, but with other people in whatever form. Okay, because if I promise you, even when you get past this, not if, but when you get past this, whether or not y'all stay friends or more, whatever partner you end up with is going to trigger the fuck out of you. I'm sorry to tell you, but there will be some some things in this arranged. Some people have super peaceful relationships and they, you know, talk about when they do have fights, it's not about anything major. And, you know. 
there are a lot of people who that is not their testimony, right? And for those people, they will they will tell you that that's when the claws come out, even in the most of perfect of partners, right? Whatever that trigger is, we marry people or we partner with people who tend to very much reflect the wounds that we still get to work on. And so being in relationship relationship is more about us sharpening each other and moving closer together because we've chosen someone that is safe to practice that stuff with. So ask yourself, why do I go slow through these emotions or why do I rush through these emotions? And then being open towards having the right conversations is going to be really important. Having a closure conversation. So the last thing I'll say, because I've said a lot already, and this is usually when we're talking together where I'm like, pause and get your thoughts. So this will be the other place I'm going to pause and whatever format you decide to reach out to me, we can continue the conversation or if this is enough, then this is enough. But I would also encourage you to look at this pattern of either when you act bad or he acts bad. But in these big, these two big fights is when you acting bad. Again, is when you acting bad in response to bad stuff that he was doing, but yours is the one that's been taken a little bit to another level. And then he tries to reach out, but you're not answering. You know, I was, and I might have said this on the podcast the other day, but I think I did. So this may sound familiar to some of y'all, but I remember I was talking to a girlfriend about, you know, getting in a fight with a partner and, you know, not being in response to their attempts to contact me, but I wanted them to contact me in a certain way, in a certain time, in a certain number of times and say the right word after I said no a few times. Like, I wanted them to work for it. And she was like, Sheena, that's like, it's like mental warfare. Because I was all mad because I was like, well, I would t- next time he'll text me, I'll talk to him. But like, he had already reached out to try to talk to me multiple times and I hadn't responded. And so my friend was like, Sheena, he probably thinks that you don't want to talk so he's not reaching out he's waiting for you to reach out that's actually what they said he actually said I'm ready whenever you are (laughs) but I wanted him I wanted him to best like be a man like take the lead like that was the dysfunctional shit that was in my head until my friend identified it for me and you know she's like you can't resolve anything unless you actually talk and like reach out and like be a part of the solution and not a part of the dysfunction. And I was so, I mean, I was so relieved that she said that I was embarrassed because I was like, man, I teach this stuff. (laughs) I teach this stuff. (laughs) Um, But she was right. And so everything that she, she said was right. And so we have this man that is reaching out to you to try to reconcile. And if I understand the history, if I remember it right, every time he has reached out to you, it has not been to like make you feel like shit and like how do you like it's there have been some parts that it's been like he's angry because he has something thrown at him or some other things happen that I'm not going to put here on the podcast because you know it's confidential between us but he's been reaching out because he loves you because he misses you because he wants to repair what just happened because something crazy just happened between us can we talk about it and I would really encourage you that when you have people who are open-hearted and they're coming in good faith, they're not coming with toxicity and drama, but they're coming with good faith to work through something that instead of you trying to run from it, that you learn how to push towards it. 
because that's more of the energy you want in your life. People who want to work with you and work for you and build with you versus people who don't. Okay, so that's all I'll say for now. There may be other questions from you or even from people listening who are like, well, what about should they like stay together and stay friends? Well, that's we got to start here. We start here right now. And then all that other stuff, once we're in a safer place, then we can make some more bigger decisions. But let's start here. okay? And last question. I think I did about 10 questions, y'all. Last question is Miss Stacy. Miss Stacy says, I'm an older and healthy lesbian. I'm not perfect. I'm not a narcissist either. I have a nice body and good looks given to me through good genetics. I am very humble, loving patient, kind, and caring person. I have a problem meeting women. Most women say that they are healthy, healed, and ready to date. However, when I talk or meet them, they change or act differently. I really don't know why. They are quick to judge and dismiss me. However, when their relationship fails, they try to come back to me. Some women are looking for someone to take care of them. Financially, I refuse to take care of a grown woman or man. With that said, I met a older woman on a dating app. I was not attracted to her. We decided to be friends. However, she flipped on me. Why? I refused to take care of her. What she did next surprised me. She got on the app and several social media sites and lied on me. Therefore, women now judge or look at me differently. Sometimes women take my kindness for weakness. I seem to attract narcissists. There are several reasons why it's hard to date women. Many women have been on the same dating sites and apps for a while. Often they criticize, lie, and sometimes tarnish each other and other women because they didn't get their way. Yes, some women have had a bad experiences with some women on there as well. However, I haven't gotten a chance to really date them. Also, some women's standards are so high, only them and God can reach or meet them. Other women want sex. However, I'm old school with self-respect. Therefore, I refuse to offer. Finally, several women are still hurt, in love with their ex-lovers, wives, husbands, and downright afraid. Therefore, they allow their pain to rule them and cloud their judgment of new women. Please tell me what I need to do differently. Well, Stacy, I want to say thank you for entrusting me with this and entrusting me to give you some potential feedback or an alternative perspective to feed into how you've been trying to solve this problem on your own. And yeah, dating can be very frustrating for so many reasons. And so I'm sorry that things haven't really worked out for you the way that you that you've wanted them to, that you haven't been able to find long lasting love. So here's here's my feedback for you because I read the scenarios, but I wonder if there's some really important data that's missing. What I see is your, or what I hear, what I read is your perspective on what's happening on your end with the women. As far as, you know, they want someone to take care of them and they're selfish or they're mean or they act real nice and then something happens and they change up on me. And I was with this other older woman that I wasn't attracted to. I was kind of giving her a bone and then she switched up on me too. So when I'm reading these things, I'm starting to see like a little bit of a pattern that things start off a certain way when they're dating you and then something changes. And so the common denominator in these is you. And so not necessarily you and that you're causing this, but that I wonder if there's some type of thing that's happening in conversation that triggers a change or if there is something that you're offering that you 
you're not offering as I'm about to be your sugar mama, but there's something that you're saying or there's something that you're communicating or there's some way that you're assisting that usually cues to mean something. So all these women are taking this as a sign that this is where the relationship is going, but that's not what you're attending because it's not even on your radar, right? So again, even though you may be the common denominator, there may be something that we don't know what we don't know because we're in our own body. Like we, we have our own sense of how we think relationships are supposed to go. We have our own sense of values. We have our own sense of what is clearly healthy in a relationship and what's not. But we also have other people who have their own perspectives. And so all of us, including myself, every single person, no matter how healthy, mature, experienced you are, everybody has their blind spots. And so the data that I wonder is missing, that if there's anybody that you are cordial terms with, not necessarily like good friends with, I know that in lesbian community is very common for lesbians to remain exes with their friends, but the way that you have been describing this, I'm not sure how many of those <laughs> are still around because I don't know if they ended like real, like in a really bad way or something. But if there is anyone that you are still on cordial terms with, I would reach out to them and I would ask in humility, because you already said you're really humble, so this should be okay. But I would say, hey, I'm starting to do some reflection on some of my past dating relationships and what happened and what, what might have gone wrong and what maybe isn't on my radar. Would you be open to telling me what was your experience like dating me and what you felt went well and what you felt didn't go well. For you to do this, Stacy, you are going to have to be truly open to hearing it and not discounting something that they say just because you don't agree with it. Because again, you are in your own body, so you cannot see what other people see and what they don't see. So for example, I'll just use myself. I don't know how long you've been listening to the podcast, so you may have heard this before. I remember that I kept getting feedback from people that I was really intimidating and that they couldn't tell if I was like, you know, mean or not mean. Was that what they were saying? Something to that nature. And so I just chalked it up to, I date men. So I, and these were like really great male friends that were saying this to me and like, you know, colleagues and stuff. And I was like, that's just them being insecure. And that's just like them not knowing how to take a strong person or strong woman or whatever, right? And then I started hearing some of the same things from women in my life who were like, maternal ages, some of my own age as well. And something finally was like, okay, I keep discounting this as like, people are just trying to judge me, people they need to get to know me. I'm a sweet, loving person. I help people for a living. I have a great heart. I laugh all the time. Like that's all them, right? And so finally I like heard it enough times until one day I was like, maybe I should ask some questions about this. And so the next time I was with someone that I trusted, that I knew was for me and like believed in me and like all this other stuff, I asked her questions about it. And we talked about my facial expressions that I had no idea that I did. We talked about how I can do a therapist face when I'm talking to people, but my therapist face, what I thought was kind and soft and loving was like, I'm studying you. And like, I'm so focused on you. And like, I'm like, you know, like it can be very overwhelming to someone who 
doesn't know me already and doesn't have an experience of me that they understand that that's my concentration face, not my judgment face. And all these other things that I had no idea because I'm in my own body and I'm filtering it through who I think I am and who I know I am. And I'm so I'm totally discounting everything that can be true with that. And so it took me a while of me being defensive towards it because it felt like they were attacking me versus giving me important information. So if you do what I'm suggesting for you to do, I'm going to really encourage you, however you need to do it, bring a notebook and a pen and just write down notes on what they say. Don't just say, I'm going to remember it because they, they could say something that you think is small that you think you're going to like remember, but because it's small, your brain discounts it. But it could be a lasting theme between multiple different women and multiple different experiences and just see what they say, you know? So again, what is it? Like what was good, what maybe could have been different versus what was bad, you know, because I'm not asking you to like talk, talk to me crazy. Right. But like what is an area of growth or something like that? And then third question, if you're feeling up to it might be after they've already answered those first two, you don't want to lead the questions. You want it to be fully open so that they are free to say whatever they want to say. Right. And they don't feel like, especially if you do, because you sound like you're very confident in who you are. And sometimes, depending on if someone is a people pleaser, that confidence can be intimidating to them and they could not speak as freely as they would normally. You don't want that. That's not going to help you. So after they have answered those questions freely and openly, the main crux that I will, I'm curious to know about, I'm just putting it out there, is for you to say, so I noticed after our first two dates, you know, the energy switched from you being like this to you being like this. Did something happen there? And ask that question to all the women and see what comes up. And so once you have that information, Stacy, it's up to you to decide what to do with it. You could be like, this is all, this may be themed information, but this is all because I'm dating women who all have this brokenness like you say so you may want to discount it or you can say huh this is all important information and some of this is stuff for me to internalize but also it could be a part of the brokenness but that still goes back to your own personal work because then it's like well what is it about me that when I'm scanning and scrolling on these apps I keep dating I keep being attracted to the women who are unavailable because the truth is there are people of all spectrums on all dating apps, right? And I I mean, I have close personal friends myself who are on, who are queer and they're on dating apps and they're having a great time and they're meeting really amazing people, right? And so even though the lesbian community, to your point, everywhere is really small, like you cycle through the same matches (laughs) very often, right? Like I I understand, like I know, I I hear about it, I see it, you know, from from what my clients and everything tell me. And so I, I know. And there's also a possibility to have a different experience as well. And I want you to have that. So that's my feedback for you. Yes, what can you do differently? That's one thing. And I hope that that helps you. All right, y'all. So y'all got... Y'all got a full, almost basically a a really great town hall meeting here. So just to recap, like I shared, I will be having a live Q&A on Zoom while I'm doing what I just did here, except I will be talking with y'all in person on June 22nd, Thursday, June 22nd. 
probably it's going to be a 6.30 p.m. CST. That's usually the time I start. Hopefully my throat will be better by then. <laughs> and we'll be going deep and I'll be answering any and all of your questions as many as I can again before it's time to go to sleep. And y'all can watch the replay and everything and take that with you. You will need to be there live to get your questions answered because whenever I do live Q&As, I like to be able to talk with you unless you're a recovery school student. When you submit your question then I'm able to get to it I will try to answer it on the replay even if you can't attend it will be free for recovery school students and speaking of recovery school students again we're going to be doing this flash sale from now until June 7th for 15% off the code will be recovery 15 so how do I sign up for both of those things if you want to sign up for the recovery school and get access to me supporting you fully in all of these areas and all the methods and all the tools and all the things that I always talk about fully and lifetime access to the program and all the updates and discounts and all the things that come with it, you can go to therecoveryschool.com. It'll take you to the overview page. You can select the option that you would like to enroll and then use the checkout coupon code, which is recovery15. That coupon code will only work on the main painful plan and then also the payment plan. If you do the extended payment plan, which is like aftercare or Klarna, one of those ones where you get to create your own payment schedule. Because that's not affiliated with me, I cannot, I don't have access to a coupon code for that. But the benefit of that is you get to create your own extended payment plan. So there is a link there now that was added about a couple months ago. So really excited that that is available for those who've been wanting to join. So you can go to therecoveryschool.com and you'll be able to join our live town hall in June for free and for those who are like I don't know if I can do the recovery school yet but I do want to come to you teaching and coaching and supporting us live to this town hall then you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash town hall it's going to take you directly to a checkout page it's not going to be really any big long overview or breakdown of what the town hall is right now because just because I don't have time to create <laughs> a really long, beautiful, if you're, a des- I'm saying that because some people are design snobs like I am. Sometimes when I go to like get something and it's like not all pretty and flashy, I'm like, well, that can't be good. Like this must be trash. And that's not, I just want to tell those of you who are prejudiced like I am, that that's not what this is. We just have multiple different things between our Portugal intensive that's coming up in September. Of course, a recovery school, we're getting our dating mini course up for love addicts so that y'all can date in a healthy way like we're getting all this other stuff up so this is one of the smaller things that's going to come and be gone until until july so distributing our resources in the appropriate places but again if you want to come to that i'm gonna get access to that replay for the amount of time that it'll be available then you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash town hall and enroll there and again recovery school students is free it'll be posted in our student community the links and everything for that so that's it y'all i'm going to go and drink something nice and warm (laughs) and ironically i'm about to go get ready for therapy and then i'm not going to be talking again i wanted to go live today but i will save that for tomorrow i'm sending you all so much love thank you for being the best community Y'all are amazing, and y'all, I'm so proud of all of y'all. 
y'all are beautiful inside and out and I just want y'all to have everything that you've always wanted so I hope that I get to see some of y'all in Portugal at the retreat in September my information is on the website I hope I get to welcome some of you in as recovery school students so we can do this thing together and become family together and or I hope that I see some of you at our town hall on June 22nd so that's it for now sending y'all love talk to you next time and take care of yourselves Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.